Hello and welcome to Direction Psychology's podcast. My name's Loz and I'll be your host. Today's episode is on the importance of teaching children body safety and awareness and I'll be speaking with Kayleen from eSafe Kids. Hi Kayleen and welcome. Hi Lorraine, thank you for the invitation. It's great to be speaking with you today. No worries at all. So did you want to just tell us a little bit about eSafe Kids, you and your qualifications as a specialist provider of body safety and awareness for children? Yeah, sure. Um, eSafe Kids uh, is my social enterprise and it was really born from a passion to want to educate, equip and empower children and young people to have safe and positive experiences both online and offline and really importantly also to support and inspire the trusted adults in children's lives to tackle what can sometimes be sensitive and challenging conversations. Yeah. Okay. And so how long have you been doing what you do with eSafe Kids? Yeah, so I guess uh, my journey in this space actually started nearly 25 years ago when I left high school. I went off to university and I studied a degree that was a combination of law, psychology and criminology. So I was always really fascinated by why people do what they do. Uh, And I first started looking at the the research and the academic side of of sexual offending all those years ago. Uh, I then spent uh, nearly 21 years working with WA Police and I spent uh, quite the the overwhelming majority of my career working as a detective. So investigated many offences, sexual offences against children and adults um, over the years. And that really drives my passion for for that proactive prevention education um, to not be the ambulance that comes along at the the bottom of a cliff after a child has come to harm, um, but be part of that fence, that proactive preventative fence that sits at the top of the cliff so that we can minimise and reduce some of the harm that's coming to children. Yeah. What does your protective behaviours education, the body safety and abuse prevention entail? Yeah, so um, the the Safe Kids Protective Behaviours Program, I I think of it as a a life skills program. It... um, the, the aim of the program is to prevent abuse and reduce violence and, and promote safety and well-being. But it's more than that. It's about developing life skills and empowerment and self-awareness, communication, self-esteem, problem-solving and persistence, resilience, emotional intelligence and assertiveness in children. Um, and we do this in a, a really clear and non-confronting, child-friendly way. Um, we use fun and engaging activities and games, resources, um, conversations and books. Uh, and by starting early, if parents start these conversations early, uh, it makes it easier to build on those conversations as, as the child ages. Okay, so f- from what I've heard previously is that it's really important to use specific language and terminology for children in terms of identifying certain body types um, and recognising intrusive behaviours just to make sure that, you know, if there is anything untoward happening that it can be recognised quite early. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So within the um, eSafe Kids Protective Behaviours Program, we teach children a topic area and it's called public and private. And in this particular topic area, we talk about public and private clothing, public and private information, uh, public and private places and spaces, behaviours, photos and videos, and then also body parts. Now, uh, teaching children the correct anatomical terms for the private parts of the body is really important. It can provide a protective factor. We know 
from research that those that offend against children have said um, that just a child knowing the correct terms for those parts of the body can inhibit uh, an offence from occurring. Uh, and also, when we uh, just use the correct terms and we say them in the same way that we would say head, shoulders, knees and toes, um, it removes sometimes the, the embarrassment and the um, awkwardness, but also um, if we don't use correct terms or we say that they're rude or they're bad or they're gross or we just don't talk about them, um, that can really contribute to shame and self-blame that many victims of child sexual abuse experience. So it's a really, of all the topic areas that I teach, it's the one that parents and educators probably find the most difficult. But once we've spoken about it, they feel empowered and they're like, yep, I've got this. I can use these correct terms. Mm. Um, and I always say, you know, teaching the correct terms for private parts of, of the body, so vagina and vulva, um, penis, testicles, scrotum, bottom, anus, um, breast, nipples. Once you practice that, and practice it when your children are really young, it just starts to, to roll off your tongue in the same way that other words would. Um, sometimes we might have um, home names for the private parts of our body, and um, I'm, you know, quite um, comfortable with if parents want to do that in their own home. But always preface that with it's important that children may have home names for private parts, but we also teach them the correct terms. And the reason for that is that if their private parts are hurting, if they've got questions about their private parts, if someone has touched or asked to touch their private parts, it's important that we use the correct language because that way people don't get confused. Mm. Um, yeah, and so there's lots of really great child-friendly books that can assist parents with this. I've got some of those on my website and I've picked the ones um, that are just so easy to use that the kids really engage with and that parents and teachers um, you know, find um, the best for, for tackling this sort of more sensitive and challenging topic. I can give you, an, a, you know, so many real-world examples of where disclosures by children have almost or have been missed um, simply because of lack of, of language that the, the person they were disclosing to understood. And um, it's, it's so important because children that identify that they're in an unsafe situation they then know that they need to respond and access help. If they disclose and they don't use language that the person they're disclosing to understands, then that disclosure can be missed. And mm. a few years ago, I had an example where a little girl, just uh, year four, uh, at the end of a, a very busy school day, said to her teacher that she didn't want to go home because dad was parking his car in her garage. Yeah. And, you know, that's a disclosure that could very easily have been missed. And we hear of those um, quite frequently. Yeah. So it's just really important that we, we teach those correct terms. Um, my advice to parents is always start it really young. I started when my child um, was like a newborn baby on the change table. Um, so start the conversation then, yeah. excuse me, because um, it, it's for you to build confidence in, in having this conversation because yeah. the reality is for most of us, um, depending on your age, um, you know, we didn't talk about these things when we were younger. Our parents didn't talk with us about it. And so sometimes we just lack a little bit confidence and in starting this education ourselves yeah I guess also that terminology really helps setting those boundaries with you know whether it be with a family member or a friend or a stranger if they're able to label you know their body parts as what they are yeah. then it's really making sure that those boundaries are firm and, and that's 
so true. I mean, having some body safety rules is, is really important, but it also fits in um, really well with um, other topic areas we have, which is personal space and body autonomy and the importance of consent and respect. So we can teach our children that, you know, they're the boss of their whole body. Children aren't really the boss of too much in their lives, but we can really empower them to know that when it comes to their body, they actually get to choose the level of affection they give someone. And if someone does come into that personal space and the way in which people touch their body, yeah, exactly. including the private parts of the body. Yeah, that's right. And I guess that just highlights why teaching children body safety is so important. Did you want to give us a little bit of an insight on um, perhaps some of the child abuse stats in Australia as well? Uh, yeah, look, I won't go into this in any you know, huge detail because uh, the, the stats around child sexual abuse in Australia um, are you know, quite alarming. They really are. Uh, and I think uh, we, we really warrants, you know, a, a more open conversation in the community. Um, at the moment in Australia, um, based on what we know, so this is only what we know, it's estimated that, that about one in three girls and one in seven to one in 12 boys will experience some form of sexual abuse uh, by the time they have their 18th birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other estimates that you know, 30% of children living in Australia have experienced some form of sexual abuse. Uh, so, you know, the, the statistics are quite alarming. Um, mm-hmm. There was a study done a few years ago by um, the Australian Bureau of Statistics uh, and it found um, that approximately 1.4 million people living in Australia have experienced sexual abuse before the age of 15. Mm-hmm. So this, um, I think, you know, really... Um, enforces the need for us to to find the ways that we can have this conversation, acknowledging that it is sensitive and it's challenging. It can be really difficult, um, but the need to have it is just so great um, yeah. because what we also know, um, and this is from very recent findings of the Royal Commission into Institutional Responses to Child Sexual Abuse, if a child does not disclose abuse at the time that it's occurring, on average, for females that are abused, it would be 22 to 24 years later that they disclose if they ever do. And for males, somewhere between about 28 and 32 years after will they disclose if they ever do. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's, a, that's a long time. It's a long part of your life to be holding on to something yeah. um, of that nature. Yeah, and I guess that again just highlights the importance of teaching the body safety because it does build that confidence and resilience as well and, you know, helps them perhaps to vocalise if something untoward were to happen. Um, So just, I guess, on that as well, if there are, you know, if there is an instance where perhaps a parent or a teacher or a friend might suspect that something might be happening to a child, are there any potential signs that they might be able to look for that are quite prevalent? Um, yeah, look, we do tend, like all forms of abuse, we see tend to see um, physical indicators but also um, behavioural indicators um, of sexual abuse. Um, and, you know, I just want to be, you know, really preface this with that, um, you know, observing one or more of these signs does not necessarily mean that a child is being sexually abused mm-hmm. um, but um, children that are acting in sexualized ways that are not appropriate to their age and stage of development um, children that create you know stories poems artwork um, about abuse or that depicts abuse um, that would be something to, to take note of um, if uh, a child you know has um, 
you know, a fear or, or a reluctance um, to be alone with a particular person. Um, you know, we could explore that a little bit further. Uh, nightmares and um, unexplained um, wakings and fears, like wanting to sleep with the light on, perhaps that's not something they've done previously. Um, uh, bed wetting and um, soiling themselves, mm-hmm. uh, pain on a private part of the body and bleeding, swelling and discharging in those private parts of the body can also be, be indicators as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important, um, really important to know that one on their own may not lead to a belief um, yeah. of child sexual abuse, but it's when we put all of these things together. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, oftentimes people, you know, might think, well, uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to, to talk about sexual abuse, but, um, you know, talking about sexual abuse doesn't take away a child's innocence. It actually helps to protect it. Yeah. Um, and the Protective Behaviours Program for children in primary school, not once is the word sex or sexual abuse or any of this mentioned. Mm-hmm. It's done, as I said, in a really age and developmentally appropriate way through, you know, fun activities and games and books. So um, we can do this in a way um you know that um, parents are more comfortable with and is is being mindful of a, of a child's age and stage of development yeah and i guess obviously those teachings that do occur it's also communicated to the parents so that they are a bit more aware and then open it opens those communication lines between the parent and the child just on that whole topic i guess yeah absolutely because um and we, we've got quite a few topic areas in the Protective Behaviours Program and they, they all play an integral part and they build on each other. But our two overriding themes uh, that we really you know talk with children about is that we all have a right to feel safe at all times and they can talk with someone about anything, no matter what it is. Yeah. And we're constantly reinforcing that with children. And so what we're doing is we're giving the kids some skills and strategies to identify unsafe situations, know how to respond at the time and after and importantly that accessing help um, from a trusted adult and what we're doing is we're really building that relationship between um, a trusted adult and a child Uh, and you know my hope and I always say this to parents and educators is that a child never needs any of these skills and strategies that's that's my overwhelming hope Um, but if we give them this information we give them these skills and strategies it might not be sexual abuse or sexual harassment um it could be bullying it could be something that's happening in the online space so i use protective behaviors when i'm teaching children about their uh, developing bodies and brains and the way technology is impacting that i I use it when i'm talking to children about pornography um, and also all the cyber safety um, risks that we need to be aware of so it's really transportable and transferable life skills yeah. yeah, that's really good. And just on the, you know, suspected abuse or something untoward potentially happening to a child, you were saying that, you know, the program teaches the child to seek out a, a trusted adult. And once that trusted adult is approached, then how do they move forward? What sort of, who do they go to for help? Yeah, so um, it depends on uh, the the, the trusted adult first and foremost is a mandatory reporter or a non-mandatory reporter because there's mm-hmm. different legal requirements. Um, but I would um, say to, to any person who is um, approached by a child um, that, you know, if a child discloses any form of abuse or unsafe situation uh, that they, they may be in, um, it's really important that report that matter so whether that be a mandatory report a report to police um 
you know, taking a child to the children's hospital or contacting um, the department for, for child protection, mm-hmm. um, it's just important that as trusted adults, we do something if a child discloses to us. Yeah. Um, yeah, and depending on your position, there, there's different requirements. Um, yeah. But um, if uh, everyone can make, you know, a report um, about... Um, child abuse if they suspect some form of abuse or unsafe situation mm-hmm. um, and, and and if a child is in you know immediate danger um, or you've got like, concern um, with that child going home or going to a particular place then um, you know contact um, police or triple zero if it's you know needs immediate attention um, the the department for, for child protection and family Support has um, a central intake team. They've got a one eight hundred number that can be called. Um, if it's after hours, there's crisis care and, and a range of other numbers that are available as yeah. well. Okay, and uh, do any of those support services also provide mental health support? Because obviously, it's going to be a very difficult circumstance for both the child and the adult. Um, so yeah, it will it depends. Um, so if the matter were reported to police, then that is not in the police area of responsibility. So mm-hmm. the police will look at the the criminality and those um, elements for the legal process that may proceed. Um, but will then always refer the child and importantly the child's family um, to therapeutic supports and services. So mm-hmm. it just depends on the nature of the circumstances. But um, one thing that I would always um, always really implore. Um, parents and carers um, for for the child and for themselves is to seek um, professional support. There's a range of service providers around Western Australia that work specifically in this area. Mm -hmm. Um, But we know that the the immediate but then also the the long-term effects of of child abuse in general and and also child sexual abuse um, can be be really quite... um, quite overwhelming for for an individual to deal with, particularly a child. Uh, And, you know, they are, I'd say, engage um, support services early, as early as possible, um, so that the child has the, you know, the best, um, you know, outcome um, and opportunity for success in their healing journey, because there will be a journey that that child, uh, young person then, then goes on. Yeah. And I guess, you know, now, in particular, being Christmas and everything, obviously it's a little bit different given the social distancing requirements that we're going through. But normally around Christmas time, you know, there's obviously a lot of things that we encourage children to do that are contradictory, like, you know, sit on a stranger's lap because it's Santa and all that sort of stuff. Um, So I guess uh, how can parents and teachers understand and you know differentiate and explain that to the child and I guess essentially access your services and education programs yeah so I guess specifically around the the personal space body autonomy and sort of consent and respect um, these conversations can begin in the very early years Um, and yes we're coming up to Christmas and it's going to be a Christmas uh, like (laughs) no other um, because children won't be sitting on Santa's lap for the first time ever um, this year but you know what we can start this conversation actually long before we might be standing in a line to get a photo with Santa Um, you know when children are much younger and um, you know some kids really love to be tickled and then it gets to that point where they, they're just not enjoying that tickling anymore and they say stop then we can stop immediately because mm-hmm. then we're demonstrating to their child that when they say stop or no when someone's touching their body that that's really important that the person listens to you um so and then you know because you know um, the child might say stop and then they might 
might say, keep going. Or you can say, would you like me to keep tickling you? And if they say yes, then keep tickling the child. Um, But what we're doing is we're just building in a really age and developmentally appropriate way some understanding in the child that when it comes to their body, if someone's touching their body in a way that they're now not liking, um, it's okay for them to say stop or no. And they can say that to anyone. They can say it to another child and they can say that to an adult. And if we as the trusted adults in our children's lives model that for our kids, then when they're in a situation, um, you know, it could be when they're in primary school, it could also be when they're in high school, and now they're in that situation and we're not with them, we've given them the skills and the strategies to, to negotiate it. Mm. Um, teaching children about personal space helps them to have a real understanding of social dis- um, distance and the different types of touch. Um, we can teach children, you know, that they're in control of their personal space um, and people need to respect that. And conversely, they need to respect other people's personal space mm. as well. Um, yeah, and you know what, with um, children, um, in younger children as well, and we can then reinforce this as they get older, we can teach them to be in control about how much physical affection or contact they have with someone. Um, it's their choice if they want to give someone a kiss, a cuddle, a hug, a snuggle. Um, yeah. Maybe they don't feel like doing that. Maybe, you know what, it's a high five, it's a fist bump, it's an elbow bump, a handshake, or it's just a wave. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, as, we as the trusted adults in our kids' lives just have to be so careful that we don't kind of bribe our children for affection or shame them for not doing something or, yeah. or giving it. Um, you know, many times when children, particularly when they see, you know, grandparents that perhaps they don't get to see all the time, it's like, you know, give Nana a hug. She hasn't seen you for six months. Oh, look, Nana's really sad. Yeah. And so then we're giving kids really mixed messages. And, you know, I, I for many years have, have watched children, you know, or being pinned to Santa, um, mm. who clearly are just, you know, they're so overwhelmed, they're scared, they're nervous, they're anxious, um, mm. and, you know, uh, you know, sit still and smile nicely and you'll get an ice cream, or if you don't sit nicely, you won't be having any tech time when we get home, and, you know, we there's nothing sinister in our, you know, intentions or our motives there. Mm. We just want to get a nice Santa photo. But it gives kids really mixed messages. If they find themselves in an unsafe situation and someone's telling them that, you know what, they have to keep that a secret or, um, uh, you know, later on if um, someone touches their body in a way they don't like and, and their memory goes back to, so bribery and threats and being tricked or shamed, it becomes incredibly difficult for a child um, to manage that situation. Mm. So we're just we're just giving them we're just giving them permission to yeah. to decide who touches their body and the way they touch that body. And this is so important because I do a lot of work with secondary age um, young people, um, and there's some pretty blurred lines around consent and coercion and and what have you with our young people. So yeah. if we can really set the tone in primary school years, um, it's a skill that is, as I said earlier, it's transferable and transportable into adolescence and then into adulthood as well. Yeah. So how can people access your services then and your education programs? Is it just in schools or elsewhere as well? So I do a lot of work in primary and secondary schools, but I also do a lot of professional development workshops for um, a wide range of organisations. Um, I do corporate presentations and keynote presentations as well. Um, I do direct delivery um, workshops with um, primary and secondary students, but also um, perhaps 
my favourite audience to work with is parents and carers because I really want to support them and inspire them to, to tackle these um, sensitive and tricky topics. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I've got a wide range of services. Um, if you head to the eSafe Kids website, you can see all of those. Uh, and also on the website, I have a resources tab and I'm, I'm in the middle of building that at the moment. Um, it's just like a one-stop shop for parents to go for information about cyber safety and digital wellness, about protective behaviours and body safety, um, pornography, and also, um, you know, developing uh, growth and development and, and relationship and sexuality education as well. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Um, were there any other thoughts or insights that you'd like to share or highlight on the topic? I think, we've, you know, we've, there's a lot more to the program than what yeah. we've covered today. This has just yeah. been a bit of an overview. Yeah. Um, but really, um, just uh, start the conversation. Start it as young as possible. It's a, a talk soon and talk often. I really love that um, analogy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, if you can, if you have the luxury of having young, young children, um, the earlier you start this, the easier it is. The language becomes really familiar for the child, but also your confidence and your ability to have these conversations with children in ways that are uh, age and developmentally appropriate. Um, you'll develop that skill over time and then, uh, you know, as your child gets older and the, the issues and the situations that they're, um, they're going to be navigating or managing become a little bit more complex, you've done the groundwork, the foundation's laid and then we just build on it. So um, just start the conversation. Um, you know, I really want to equip parents with that, that feeling of, yeah, I can do this and I, I've yeah. got this. Yeah, that's great. So the programs not only empower the children, it also empowers the parents Absolutely, well. absolutely, yeah. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks so much, Lorraine. Well, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you do want any more information on Kayleen or eSafe Kids, please check the show notes. Thank you. Thank you.